Hey, this is Eric Olivares, pastor at Axios Church in Lakeland, Florida, and this is our podcast. Axios' mission is to point people to Jesus so they can find worth and purpose in God. We hope this message encouraged you and uplifts you throughout your week. Enjoy the message. Joined us here today. There are people watching right now all across the world. There's people watching us in Puerto Rico. So Puerto Rico, shout out. All right. There's people watching in other places, man. We just want to say thank you for joining us this morning here at Axios Church. You could have picked anywhere you wanted to be, but you decided to be here on our on Facebook, wherever you're, um, wherever you're streaming this. We just honor your presence. And thank you for joining us here this morning. Isn't God good? Yeah. Amen, amen. We started a series a couple weeks ago called God in 3D, and I hope that this message series has been um, good for your life. I know it's been good for me. God's been rocking me. So here, here's the thing. I tell this all the time. Before the message gets to you, it destroys me first. <laughs> it destroys me first because I feel like you have to preach in, in, it has to hit you first because if not, then I'm just kind of just talking to you and I don't want to talk to you. I want you to give you the word of God and what God is doing in this place. Listen, um, I just want to kind of mimic and, and echo what uh, Pastor Ryan and Pastor Jess said. The Easter's just around the corner. I want you to invite, 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 okay? We need to invite. Let's pack out the house, two services. Um, we also, the week, um, uh, a couple weeks before that or a week before that, we have our Easter egg hunt. If you have kids around your neighborhood, don't steal them, but just bring them, okay? Bring their parents too. Uh, but we, we just, we have over, I think over, uh, I know at least a thousand. So at least a thousand to fifteen hundred eggs. Eggs that we're going to be putting out there so these kids can get it. So listen, we they, they have enough eggs, but I want you to bring them so they have an enjoyable time. We're going to have food and have just a good picnic. It's good to have family together, right? Amen. And that's what we're going to be doing right after service and then our Good Friday service as well. So we got great things that are happening here at Axios Church. Just make sure you get plugged in, plugged in, plugged in. Listen, we started a series a couple weeks ago, like we said, um, God in 3D. And we've been talking about this concept of Having the word of God pop out at us. I mean, having the word of God not just be um, like words on a paper, but we want it to be active, alive in our life. That when we're reading these things and we're operating these principles, it's not just for us to have um, knowledge in the head, but for it to activate in our life. Because with uh, you can read things, but if you're not really using them in your day-to-day, they're just words. So we want to these, these words and these principles to pop out on us in the, as, as we are in a movie. You know, as, as a 3D movie, it pops out when you put these 3D glasses. It's just a different experience. And we want to experience God, as we said, to the fullest. God has called us to live life abundantly, but to live life in the fullness of God, in the fullness of who he is. And in those, there's character traits and there's things that we see through through the Bible, how God uses different, different areas of his character for us to be impacted in our personal life. And if it's good for the Bible, it's good for us as well here in 2023. And we truly believe that God can take even the worst things in life and turn it for our good. Can you believe that? And turn it for our good. So we've been talking about different character traits and different areas where God uses um, different people in the Bible and how he uses these, these character traits to show us the realness and the fullness of who he is. If you haven't catched these series um, online, you can do it on our YouTube channel and um, just catch up with us. And, uh, but today we're going to talk about two character traits that, I, I, that we don't talk about a lot in the church. 
So today, as we say, let's put our steel toe boots on because we're going in because if we're not challenged, we're not willing to change. If we're not challenged, we're not willing to change. You, you can't get abs if you're not willing to change. Trust me, I've tried. You, you, you can't have a successful career if you're not willing to change some things because change comes with growth. There's too many people that do not like change and they get anxiety with change and that's real, it's a real feeling. But to have growth, there has to be some change in your life. And today, the first um, character trait we're gonna talk about, he's the God of conviction. Woo-wee. He's the God of conviction. We don't talk about conviction a lot in our church circles that much anymore because we love the God of love. Because the God of love is the one that loves us and full of love. And yet that is completely true. And he, we can't lose sight of that. But God convicts us through his love. Conviction is key in our life. I grew up in a very much strict Pentecostal church. And, um, and conviction was more of a judgment than more of a, a benefit. And that's not, I mean, that's just what we grew up with. I mean, you were, you, if they're not going to get you to heaven, they're going to scare you to heaven. Huh? You know what I'm talking about? They're going to scare you to heaven. So we're going to, you know, we're going to make sure that fear is at the forefront. You know what I'm talking about? But the reality is this. Conviction is not a scary thing. Conviction is something that we all need in our life. Conviction directs us to the heart of God. Conviction doesn't disqualify us from God, but conviction, it checks our heart in our pursuit towards him. Conviction is not for, to be a judgmental thing. Conviction is not for us to feel disqualified because there's times where I grew up and I, God is so miraculous and so great that the conviction I had was like, I can't even get close to that. So I'm not even going to try. Can I get an amen on that? And I feel like we lost a generation that doesn't want to try anymore because we made it too hard. Where the gospel is simple. is love God, love your neighbor. <laughs> love God, love your neighbor. But we put all these rules on top of it and we put this, this word conviction as a, as a demeaning thing. But in reality, it's something we should all strive to have in our life. Conviction. It's not to disqualify you, but it's to correct us in our pursuit towards him. See, conviction is more than just feeling guilty about something that you've done. It is more than just feeling guilt in the things. It's, a, it's beyond a feeling. See, the Greek word translated to for conviction is this, is to convince someone of truth, to, repro to reproof, or to accuse See, godly conviction should strive us closer to truth. Godly conviction, the conviction that God puts in our hearts, should draw us not away from God, but closer to his truth. See, that's when you know that it's conviction of the enemy and conviction of God. Conviction of God draws me closer to his word. And conviction of people and conviction of the enemy draws me uh, farther away. 
Because in reality, we look at our lives and we can't really touch the holiness and the greatness of God. But God, through his cross, has given us access to that grace and to that mercy. And what the enemy wants you to know is that you can never obtain that, so you shouldn't even try. And he convicts us, and then we find ourselves in circles that we never should be in. Because we can't reach the goal. Listen, your job is not to be perfect, but your job is to pursue him. Let me strip everything that culture and church has ever said. You are not called to be perfect. There's one that is perfect. You didn't die on a cross for me, so I don't need to, like, he's the perfect one. But he does call us to pursue him. And in that pursuit, we are from, we change from glory to glory to glory. That means there's a progression, but you have to try. See, there's this kind of, um, this blanket um, mindset that has come with the, genera- uh, the generation or the culture we live in now. Where I can do all I can do. I can live my life to the fullest, and not godly fullest, but I can just live my life. I can go to the club. I can do this. I can do this. But at the end of the day, because God loves me, he's still going to forgive me. Have you ever heard that before? Where, you know, in a way, we abuse God's love. Yes, he loves you, but there's a pursuit that has to happen in the midst of that. And that's where conviction comes into play it's, it, it's, we hate conviction because it strips us and hurts our ego. See, conviction challenges us in righteousness in God. You know, you know this, righteousness is still a, a cool word in the Bible. We have to be in right standings with God, but we don't preach this enough because righteousness strips you and puts him. And sometimes to strip you it hurts. So I'd rather not. I just want to live in the love of God. But don't care about when he convicts me to change. Conviction is part of the process. It's a part of the process. And it's not a scary thing. Righteousness is still key in our walk with Christ. We are living in a culture where conviction is not talked about or taught anymore. And when we talked about it and we, we were uh, taught these things, it was out of a, a sense of fear and not a sense of love. Conviction is love. Conviction is love. See, his love is, is, is while I pursue him, it changes my perspective. And in his love, it changes, in, in, in his love, I, my life has to change because of his love. That's where conviction comes into play. It is normal to feel guilty of what we've done, but what are you going to do with it? It is normal to be feel guilty of what we've done. So they said it like this. Conviction doesn't do any good if we ignore, if we ignore it and do nothing about it. Let me say that again. Conviction doesn't do us any good if we ignore it and don't do anything about it. We must repent and sin no more. See, this is not a thing that we like to talk about that much anymore. Because we like to repent and keep it hood still. 
We like to repent and still have my vibe. We like to repent and still manifest some things. I like to repent and still look at my horoscope. The reality is, is your repenting has no activation to it because you're repenting to yourself. Because when you repent to God, it tells you to, to change your ways. See, life and salvation is not all about just coming and saying a prayer. You have to do something about that. See, it's far too long we say, hey, raise your hands, bow your heads, which, number one, I know we don't want you to feel uncomfortable, but if, you are, if, you're, if you're, like, shy to accepting Jesus, then we, need to, we won't go there, okay? But here's the reality is we, we bow our heads, we close our eyes, we say a prayer, and, yes, God comes and transforms our life, but the transformation sometimes is a process. See, sometimes we, we, we believe that if you have somebody that is dealing with, with um, a smoking addiction, once they come to an altar, they fall out, they shake a couple times, that the smoking addiction is going to go away real fast. It does sometimes. But us as the church, we have to learn how to walk these people through it in a process of discipleship. But in the middle of that, tell them to change. What are the avenues we're giving people to live a righteous life? Not just expecting it. I can't expect my son to know everything because he is nine years old. I'm going to be 36 years old, okay? I'm getting old. I'm about to be 36. But all the life lessons I learned, I can't expect my nine-year-old to know. I have to teach them. So we need to teach people that this sense of guilt or shame, don't look at it as a bad way. Look at it as God is working in my life, and I need to draw nearer to Christ, not farther away. It's discipleship. Conviction doesn't judge. It pursues us. It gets us closer to God. And we see a, a man in the Bible. His name was Paul. I mean, this man was a murderer, killing Christians. And how God used a murderer to shape even the church we, we are in right now. Let's go to the book of Acts. Conviction didn't come to judge Saul, but it came to change him to Paul. Yeah. Let me say that again. Conviction didn't come to judge Saul. That was his name. But it came to transform him into Paul, which was his destiny. Let's go to Acts chapter 9. Verse 1 and 9. Let's, let's just read a couple verses here. Um, we're not here. To, I'm not going to stay here for a while. Um, just want to kind of give you some context. Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogue of Damascus and that he would make found there who belongs to the way, whether men or women, he might take them to, uh, as prisoners to Jerusalem. And as he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him and fell, and fell to the ground. And, a vo and, and he heard a voice say, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul says, stop. You're persecuting the people that, like, he's calling you to, to, to love. See, people know who God is. They just need you to point them to him. See, Saul knew 
what he was doing. And he, he just didn't know the way. So now God is saying, hey, we're going to show you the way. Shot him to the ground. God, who are you, who are you Lord? He, uh, Saul asked. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go to the city, and you will be told what, uh, what you must do. And if you read, keep on reading, it says that he became blind from this experience. He was blind because sometimes you have to be blind to even some of the things that are around you for you to actually see. See, he had to come to a place. Has anybody, there's, there's two types of people. There are people that learn the easy way and people that learn the hard way. All you people that learn the easy way, you are highly favored. Because some people like us, Gary, you know what I'm talking about? We learn the hard way. We learn the hard way. Let's take, a, let's take an inventory. Who are the people that learn the hard way? May grace be on you. Because this is where Paul is. Paul is one of those that he had to hit rock bottom to finally understand what the heck was going on here. I mean, he knew about Jesus. He, was there, he, he heard about Jesus. He saw some of the things that Jesus did. He, he heard about the cross. He heard about everything and, and still didn't do nothing with it. He knew a head knowledge of God, but didn't have the heart conviction to live it out. See, we can have a head knowledge of who God is. We can have a head knowledge of how God was when we were raised up. But the reality is, if you don't know who he is, conviction can never change your heart. You need to know who God is for you. I don't care how you were raised. I don't care how, how, how you have to learn who God is for you. Because then you can truly live what he's trying to tell you to live. See, Paul had to get, had to be blind. And then this man named Ananias came and God spoke to, to Ananias through the Holy Spirit and said, hey, go to this person. Um, he said, go to this man called Saul and um, I need you to tell him all these things. He's gonna be the one, um, the one that I use. But you have to understand this. There was a reputation around town about Paul, around Saul. So Ananias knew that this was the same Saul that was meant to come kill him and his family. So Ananias and, and, and Jesus had a little conversation real quick. He said, um, Jesus, I am your servant. But this is Saul. You want me to go to the person that is meant for me to die because of what I believe in? Yeah, I, I, I ain't about that. <laughs> but God told Ananias, I'm going to be with you to go. The Holy Spirit was working in the midst of this. So you got to understand this. That sometimes you can be in a place in your life where you seem blind or you seem like you're in the worst spot of your life, rock bottom. But God is having a conversation with somebody else for your deliverance. There's times where you can curse God in your, in your blind state. But you don't know what he's working on the other side. See, God is working for those who believe and are righteous in his eyes. Righteousness, conviction still matters for today. So we see here Paul had to go through this experience and conviction hit his heart 
So for him to change, to be who God's called him to be. There's two things that happen in this conversation, in this, in this story that we need to see about conviction. Number one, conviction comes from the Holy Spirit. Conviction comes from the Holy Spirit. Jesus died on the cross. He rose again. We're going to talk about that in a couple weeks. And he left this thing called the Holy Spirit as our comforter and our guide as we live on this earth. So let me say this. If you're not operating in the Holy Spirit, conviction can't have its full effect. We have to seek the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is our is the conviction we need. The Holy Spirit is going to be the one that whenever we're in our head or whenever we're trying to do our way, it's going to be that feeling to be like, park the brakes, honey. Or it's going to be like that, or it's going to be, he's in love, or he's going to be like, dummy, stop. That's his. That's mine too. Holy Spirit gave the vision for Saul to change. If we're not operating in his spirit, we're not willing to operate in true conviction. Do not be confused. Holy Spirit is the comforter and convicts in love and peace. And the enemy convicts in guilt and shame. Let me say that. This is going to set some people free. Because some of us are dealing with sin issues and we're dealing with guilt and shame and that's not the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit convicts us. It's, will, it's telling you to change. But it does it in love and in peace. But the enemy uses guilt and shame for you to feel worse about yourself and for, for you to forget about the cross. Because when you forget about the, the, what God did on the cross, you're only living by your religion and not what God has called us to do. Because when we remember the cross, we remember that he took our pain. He took our sin. He became sin who knew no sin. And he brought us to a relationship with him. So by the cross, when the enemy tries to bring guilt and shame into your life, remind the enemy about the cross. Remind the enemy about the God who came and saved you and redeemed you. Because what the cross meant for us is now the salvation that we need. Do not live in guilt and shame. Live in love and peace because Jesus paid it all. The enemy uses guilt and shame. He has corrupt a generation with guilt and shame. Listen, some of the stuff we do is dumb and we need to stop. But at the end of the day, he's still a God that convicts in love. And he's still a God that convicts in peace. Guilt and shame is not in his vocabulary. The Bible makes it clear that conviction comes through the Holy Spirit. The Lord continually refines us and tugs at our heart for us to change. Paul had to hit rock bottom to accept the conviction and was willing to change the direction for his life. But the question is, are we listening to the right direction? We have to be, here's the thing, we have to be fast and aware of our sins, quick to repent, and ready to change right away. Let me say that again. You gotta be quick to be aware of your sin and quick to repent and ready to change at all times. We need to pray to the Holy Spirit, God, show us areas in my life that is not pleasing to you. 
Instead of saying, God, pay my electric bill. Hey, God, pay, do, do this. I need a car. Those are great prayers. That's fine. But what if you pray, God, break my heart for what breaks yours. Show me areas in my life that doesn't please you. Use conviction in my life. Romans chapter 3, verse 23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We love this verse, you know, like, oh yeah, see, I'm a sinner. I've fallen short. But God also says this a couple verses later. It says in Romans chapter 6, verse 23, for the wages of sin is death. But free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Yeah, we have all sinned. And he knows that. But we need to do something about that. And change our ways. And let conviction change our hearts. Culture wants you to live on the edge of just okay. I'm just enough Christian. I'm just enough of living that fence life. Of on Sunday, King Jesus. And then on, on, on Monday or Wednesday, F all this. You know what I'm talking about? Right? And we're living on this edge and culture and the enemy wants you to live there. It's called lukewarm. But when we live on the side of grace and we live on the side of conviction, we know that God is still working in our favor. The edge of just being Christian enough where we call ourselves believers, but our actions do not align to it. Where we, we are forgiven, but we still want to act cray cray. We live in a culture where conviction is messing up my vibe. Maybe your vibe needs to be messed up because you're looking a little crazy. You, what, you're, what you're saying who you are doesn't reflect on what you're doing. It just doesn't work that way. What if you would, let's say it like this, okay? Come here, Ty and, and, and um, Leah, come here. Hurry up, hurry up, hurry up. Give it up for Ty and Leah. Right here. All right. Stand right there, Leah. Ty, come here. They just got married recently, a couple months ago. What if I'm going to Ty and say, Ty, this is going to be your, the marriage counseling I'm going to give you, okay? What I want you to do is I want you to um, do whatever you want. Like, go cheat on her. Um, do, like, go around, sleep around, do whatever you got to do. But at the end of the day, it's okay because she still loves you. And she's still gonna, she's still gonna be there at the house. So do whatever you want. Uh, like, like, I want you to go as wild as you can. But at the end of the day, it doesn't matter what you do because she still loves you. Is that great advice? But don't we do this with the relationship with God? Whereas like, hey, I want you to, to, God is all love and he's going to forgive you, yes, but I'm going to wild out because I know that there's a, there's a, a little back burner here that God's still going to forgive me. That's not relationship. That's horrible advice. Do not do that. Do not cheat on her. So why do we tell people, listen to this, why do we tell people in a natural form not to cheat while we cheat on God? 
in the natural, we condemn it. But in the, in the spiritual, we look at it as like, oh, they're in a process. Oh, they're going to be, at least they're going to be at church. We are not driving people to a true relationship. Because in the natural, we will never give that advice. So we need to give the same advice that, listen, whenever you are wilding out, it breaks God's heart. Whenever you're wilding out, yeah, he might still be at home loving you and everything, but it's still hurt there. That's the really, thank you, go over there. Hey, don't be doing all that, all right? It's horrible advice. But you see what I'm talking about? There's just an example. Ty, there's conviction in it because we don't want to get caught. We don't want to get caught. But we don't know that God knows all. You've already been caught. He just waiting for you to be like, hey, I love you, but that's not what I called you to do. See, sometimes we look at God as like, I'm ready. Are you going to mess up? I'm ready. No, he's with open arms to say, listen, that's not what I've called you to be. That's not what I called you to do. And yes, we might have fallen short of God's glory, like the Bible verse says, yes, we're not going to be perfect, but there has to be an active pursuit that conviction hits our life, not because of a rule, because we love him. We don't cheat because of a rule. This doesn't matter whenever you decide to cheat. But what convicts me is my love for the other person to change. See, at the end of the day, we have to look at God in our, in our relationship as an actual relationship. And we're pursuing each other. We're pursuing God's love. And in that, I'm going to do things that are dumb, but that should change me to do things better. There's times where I mess up and I say some dumb things to my wife. But then I get checked. I'm the kind of person where I'm like, you know. And I go in the corner, I'm like, dang, did I just, I just messed up. But I ain't going to tell you right away because you know. But then a couple hours later, I'm like, I, I'm not good with my words, so I text her. You know, I just, I'm a, I'm a loser. I'm sorry. Why? Because I don't want her to hurt. I don't want my actions to hurt her. We should be the same way our relationship with God. It breaks his heart for us to not live in true repentance of him. Number two is this. We see he, uh, it's conviction. God, the conviction that Paul saw, it, it produces true repentance. True repentance. The Holy Spirit exposes our evils of our sin, so conviction is good in our life. If sin doesn't convict you, you lost all respect for, the, for what God did on the cross. If your sin does not convict you, you lost respect for God. Because conviction reminds us of what he did. So then it reminds me I shouldn't do. See, there's people that they don't, sin doesn't, doesn't mess with them. So you need to check your life. Because even though I say, I, it hurts me. Because I'm hurting him. See, if we are not living in conviction, we lost reverence of what he did on that cross. 
See, it leads us to repentance, and repentance makes us turn our ways and do what God's called us to do. There is accountability that need that is needed in true repentance. That's why we need each other to check us. When somebody checks you, it's not for you to be judgmental. It's for you to say, hey, I know who God's called you to be. Do different. Be different. If you don't have friends in your life that is going to check you, they're not good friends. My friends check me to activate conviction in my life. Because at the end of the day, conviction It's God's love towards me to getting me on the path that he wants me to be in. It's this beautiful thing that conviction leads me to restoration and the salvation and the joy of my salvation and heals the wounds that are left from my sins. It's the reconciliation from the Father to give me joy and peace that surpasses all understanding. Conviction from God is leading me towards his love. So he's not also the God of conviction. But he's also the God of grace and mercy. See, conviction leads us to his grace and conviction leads us to his mercy. Let me, let me tell you this. Mercy is, is, is an act withholding a deserved punishment. While grace is the act of unmerited favor. Let me say it like this. His mercy, God does not give us punishment we deserve, which is hell. But through his grace, God gives us the gift which we don't deserve, which is heaven. The Greek word of mercy is elios, which means pity and compassion. And grace is charis, which means favor. His mercy and grace is what we need. And we see it here in Luke chapter 15 with the prodigal son. He gave him everything. Here's your inheritance. And he started to wild out. I mean, he spent it all. Everything that was given to him, everything that was earned, that the the, the father earned for him, he didn't do anything about it. The the father gave it to him freely and said, hey, do whatever, do do what you got to do. And he used it for his own gain. And he finds himself in the pits of pigs. And in pigs poopy, he finds Jesus. And conviction hit his life. And he said this. He said, wasn't it better to be in my father's house? What, wasn't it better? Didn't I have hired servants in my father's house? Didn't I have all the food I needed in my father's house? Didn't I have everything, all bread and all? I didn't hunger. I didn't have to think about hunger. Didn't we in my father's house? His decision led him to conviction to go back to the father. But here's where grace comes into play. And if you don't know, we're that guy that we find ourselves in the pigs sometimes. And if we don't let conviction really affect our lives for us to change and go back to the Father, we're going to start thinking and start putting in our minds that the pigs are enough. We're going to let guilt and shame get us back to the Father because we deserve the pigs. You don't deserve the pigs. The Father has a mansion for you. So he had to drop his pride 
He had to drop his will, get up from where he was, dirty, nasty, full of shame and whatever, and go back to the Father. And I love this part. I'm going to read it. In Luke chapter 15, verse 20 and 24. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And his son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servant, bring quickly the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring the fatted calf and kill it and let us celebrate for my son was dead and now he's alive. He was lost, but now is found. Let's celebrate. That's God's grace. That's God's mercy where we shouldn't deserve it. But God is running with all love and compassion to us and saying, son, when we are saying, God, I am not worthy of it. He's, he, didn't, he doesn't even listen to that. Did you see that? The son was pouring his heart. God, I, 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 I sinned against you. And what did the father say? He didn't say, son, you're right. He said, hey, let's take a party. Let's get going because you were now lost. But now you are found. He doesn't listen to our excuses. All he listens is to your pursuit towards him. And when your pursuit is towards him, all grace, all mercy, all love is in your favor. Is in your favor. And then he gives us a promise. It says this, Psalms 23, verse 6. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I shall dwell that means rest that means peace that means love that means restoration I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever forever it's God's love and pursuit towards us but let me tell you this as I, as I close Do not get confused. There's a clear definition between conviction and condemnation. I can stop you there and shout it out, but I need you to understand this. Conviction comes from the Lord that leads us into a life of joy and, 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 and peace in our life. However, condemnation is Satan's tool for us to live in despair, shame, and guilt. Conviction is intended for us to draw near to Christ and, con and condemnation draws us away from him. Condemnation causes us to look at self. Conviction calls us to look at Christ. So when we are experiencing condemnation, there is no solution to our problems. But when we're exper experiencing conviction in the Lord, it meant us to draw us near that he is our source, full of grace, full of mercy. He would never leave us, nor will he forsake us. The cross gave us the freedom and the hope to live a life full of grace and full of mercy. So I challenge you this, let conviction come to your life.
because it's his avenue. It's his road to his grace. And when we see both as God working in our lives, not just look at his conviction and be like, oh, God, what are you doing? No, 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 no. It's the avenue he uses through his Holy Spirit to pour his love and his mercy and his grace. Surely, that's not a woman's name. It's saying no matter what, surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days not tomorrow not just one day all the days of my life and I will dwell 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 in the house of the Lord forever God we pray right now father God for those that are dealing with the issues of conviction, Father God. Today, we pray that grace and that mercy will flood their lives. Today, those that are watching, Father God, that grace and mercy shall follow them all the days of their life. Today, we will stay in the house of the Lord. Today, we will dwell in the house of the Lord. Let conviction draw us near to your heart. In your name, we pray, amen. Come on, Axios Church, put your hands together. joining us here at Axios. Hey, to hear more messages just like this, go ahead and subscribe to this channel. If you want more information about Axios, go to axioschurch.com. There you can get more information, give, and connect. Remember, we love you, and we're in this together.